Hey again, travel bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, TripStreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about TripStreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie-flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny Epstein. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 158 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm back here with Eric LaFleche. Hey, Johnny. How's it In going? In the flesh. <laughs> How you doing again? Yeah, good. So Eric was on episode 135, and we talked about him quitting his corporate job, or leaving his corporate job at Anheuser-Busch, was it? Yeah, yeah. And becoming a nomad and traveling and doing all these cool things. Yep. So the reason why I wanted to have him back on was we met up here in, in Bali, and he's done so much since. Yeah, man. It's been where have you been since that? Uh, since Chiang Mai, when we first met, um, I spent an additional month there before going back to the states for Christmas uh, to see the family for a quick week before jumping on a plane down to South America in January, where I uh, basically hostel jumped, hitchhiked, and got Airbnbs from Patagonia, Argentina, all the way up to Colombia for three months. And, uh, yeah, man. So that was, that was, uh, January, February, March. And then, and in March flew back to the United States, opened a couple Airbnbs and then flew over to Bali. So when I was looking at what episode you were on before and you said it was like, oh, like a hundred something, I was like, no, no, I think it was before that. I think it was like episode 70. Yeah. <laughs> because it feels like it was so long ago. Yeah. It feels like a while since we've done that podcast. It feels like it, it like it literally feels like a year and a half or two years, but it hasn't been. Yeah, I feel like we've been friends for much longer than I mean, it's been six months now that we've really been talking. So, it's but weird. it feels much longer than yeah, that. Yeah, I feel we have a very uh, very intimate relationship. Yeah, now. yeah, man. And <laughs> it's it's funny because I also it's only been nine or ten months since I left the corporate world, but it's felt like two or three years, man. It's felt like two or three years. Yeah, and, and you don't look like the corporate bum at all anymore. No, no, wearing my beanie, growing out my hair. Uh, bathing suits all the time. Yeah, it's not, it's not corporate anymore at all. Yeah, so just to clarify, Eric's not wearing a bathing suit. He's wearing like board shorts. Board short. Well, it, it, it doubles as a bathing suit. <laughs> bathing suit sounds like like a one-piece um, swimmer for, for women in their 50s. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know on the day, but um, we have a giant pool here in the villa, so it's always nice to have some kind of easy access to the pool without worrying about it. I was actually very impressed when I showed up at Eric's place, uh, this is a we, we've been hanging out in, in Bali for a couple of days now. But right when I first walked in, I was like, "Fuck, this place is beautiful." Yeah, man, it's it's amazing. My friend found it before we came out. It's four bedrooms, two stories, has a pool. We have a a dog that just comes and chills named Buddy, who's amazing. Um, His name is not actually Buddy. No, we <laughs> gave we gave we gave him the name Buddy because uh, we didn't know what to call him. So uh, he's just hanging around. So it's a great place, man, and it's it's not that expensive at all. So what's crazy is this is the type of place that I wanted to find when I when before I came here. I yep. had mistakenly uh, gave Chris the the what do you call it the 
That was his job. Yeah, that was yeah. his responsibility to find it. He so he, he never found a place. <laughs> yeah, we we got this last minute. So my friend Ray was leaving because you have to do a visa run every every month or so once when you're in Bali, and he was leaving to go to Malaysia. And it was his last day, and he'd been looking for a week for a villa. And the agent we were working with at the last hour showed us this, and we just grabbed it as quickly as we could. So it worked out perfectly. So this is in like literally the best neighborhood. It's like one block away from. There's one, the, the, basically the one street where all the restaurants are. Yeah, exactly. We, we can walk to anything from here. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the beach is only five minutes, four minutes, uh, motorbike ride. Um, any working space or cafe is very close with fast internet. So it's perfect. So for you guys, if you guys don't ima- like, can't imagine what it looks like, it basically looks like what you would think a villa looks like. Like almost kind of like a Bali mansion. Yeah, my my friend described it to us as a Pablo Escobar style mansion villa in Bali yeah. when he uh, sent us the pictures, and it's it's probably a mini version of that open open air. Um, there's not many walls. Everything is easy to see. There's statues everywhere, plants everywhere, trees, um, stone walkway to the pool, and the bedrooms are huge, and the bathrooms are just crazy. And what are you guys paying? Um, we pay about six million Indonesian a person. Which comes to about five hundred dollars a month. Okay, yeah, that's a great value. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, amazing value. It's furnished it's month to month. Yeah, all everything's included: the Wi-Fi, electricity, everything like that. So, oh, it's, what really? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so a it's smoking deal. Yeah, it was a great deal. It was a great deal. But I guess, I mean, what do you, what do you think the best way to find a, a place like this would be? Um, there's like two or three Facebook groups in the Changu Bali community that have real estate agents that you can reach out to that will basically take a commission from the owner to help you find it. Um, so that's probably the best way you can go online, but usually you're going to pay more on Airbnbs or any of the online websites than you would if you get a local real estate agent helping you out. So go on those communities and that's probably the best way to get it. Yeah. We took a look at, on Airbnb and it was, everything's overpriced. Yeah. And I mean, well, you know what? This is a good segue because uh, David Vu was on the podcast <laughs> yeah. uh, where he talked about Airbnb arbitrage. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing it now. Yeah, man. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, mean, I do it now. And, and coming to Bali, bro, that's all I could think about. Renting this place out, you probably could get um, 50 to $125 a night on these rooms. You know what? The funny thing was his episode was the one immediately after yours. Episode 136. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I took his course. I met him in person with you when we went to the movies back in uh, Thailand. And then I started taking action with a partner in the U.S. because I don't want to be in the U.S. So he, he does the searching. I do a lot of the financing in the back end. And uh, we are starting to open up hopefully one a month right now. That's cool. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. you. So you took his, his Airbnb course. Yeah, I did. I did, man. I actually, I think you mentioned it to me during the theater. Then I went on your blog. I clicked on the link and then went over... Well, thank, uh, you. thank you for using my link. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, then I, I took it in like 24 hours. I put it on 2x speed and just went through all the lessons. Wow, that's cool. Sent it to my friend um, who's my partner now. He went through everything. And then we started uh, basically isolating communities that we care about using Everbooked, which he talks about, to really find the opportunities in the communities that will be uh, high occupancy. That's, and, that's dope. Yeah, and we started in Denver where my friend lives. So, yeah. That's cool. Uh, the funny thing is... I was there while they were filming that course. Oh, really? It was actually the first time I ever met David in person. Oh, nice. It was in it was in LA, and I was um I was I forgot why I was back. To, I think it was just to visit family or something. But uh, he said he's like, oh yeah, if you want a place to stay in LA, I got a couple of Airbnbs. I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And what he didn't tell me was that 
during the day when I was out, he wanted to film in the Airbnb okay. to make this course. <laughs> and this is just David's personality where like he's just like multitasker. He's yeah. always fucking doing something. Like he, he has so many different businesses now. Yeah. And even like, you know, just like just living or chilling, he's like he's like he's like, why would we just leave it empty? You're like, why not just like, you know, film a course while you're you're there <laughs> that's amazing so yeah. so when i was watching the course which one of the do you remember which one it is uh, in the course itself that you stayed in it was in anaheim somewhere in new disneyland okay and there was two bedrooms um two big kind of two like dual masters okay really yeah. nice bathrooms and one thing that i thought was really smart was uh he under the queen bed there was a pull-out bed under the bed. And oh, they call it like a truncated bed or something. Oh, so you could get some more people sleeping in that room. So, yeah. So, and without making it look like bunk beds or like having two beds in the room. That's amazing, man. So, little tips like that, I thought were really smart. That's Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were taking tips like that and then one thing we did for our business is we've built Amazon wish lists and my aunt is an interior designer so I'm actually going to be working with her this summer to build out a wish list on Amazon of furniture and equipment that we can just hit purchase so when we lease a new property within 2 days everything arrives and we can set it up and it's still a very good interior design we like his idea of getting an interior design in each city but we don't have the flexibility as much as him with his team uh so we're trying to streamline that on Amazon so we can just hit that's buy that's so and go. crazy yeah 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 that's so crazy yeah, yeah really good. click my Amazon link before you you buy Amazon <laughs> <laughs> yeah man for sure that'd be dope uh actually so if you guys want to check out the course uh I'll, I'll have anthony put a link to his airbnb course in the show notes this is episode 158 so how long ago did you did you guys start it we literally started it before i came here so after south america i flew home in the beginning of uh april and then i flew directly to uh new york and then to denver met up with my friend Ethan and we found the apartments that we were looking at and we started right then. So this was probably, we have had it up for about two and a half weeks and it's already um, completely profitable. So the day that I launched the first unit on Airbnb, it booked four people within 24 hours wow, That's crazy. in that month. So it was just like already paying back what we were investing. And now I think we're almost completely booked for two and a half months. Um, and we are doing, uh, yeah, so we're, we're doing really good. And we're looking, now we're just looking at what cities we care about. Denver's great. We're going to have a few units there. We're looking at Seattle. We're looking at San Diego, Miami, Boston. Actually, basically every place I like being. <laughs> so I have a place to go to. Uh, that's more of the vision, right? I'll have a place I can go stay at in those cities. So that's kind of how we're approaching it. That's crazy. So are you, are you guys just putting the lease on like under your personal name or how does that work we're starting with our personal name we got our llc up and running and then we're working towards figuring out how we can get the lease under the business now that's going to be determinant on the owner and the apartment and the complex some people won't allow that some people will we're once we have the reputation like david does and you can show the properties you can show hey look we clean this every time a guest leaves we have a mechanic we have everything to make sure this place is also the care. apartment buildings know your airbnb and it out some do yeah some do not all of them the one that we had the two that we have endeavor they don't they know they allow it it's in the contract really that's crazy yeah, we found a place that has um in the contract they were allowed to airbnb that's so insane. Yeah, yeah, which is very rare. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, um, but uh, that we got really lucky in the beginning. So, I mean, was that just like did you just happen to stumble on them, or did you were you looking specifically for places that would allow you to Airbnb? So there's a few different ways that um, we started to look. What I did is I looked for like key calves 
which are like lock boxes. Oh, so other people are already doing it. And I found people that were doing it through those keycaps and asked them where they were doing it in Denver. And that allowed me to get an idea from other Airbnbs here is what's working, right? How would you find the keycap? I mean, how would you, I mean, I, I, you just drive by, look for it, but then how would you contact the owner? So basically, when you go on to Keycaps website, you can figure out where the keycaps uh, are, and then you can figure out which buildings are associated with those keycaps, and then you can ultimately get to which places are more lenient on allowing you to rent. Some keycaps are in, um, in like coffee shops, some yeah. are in apartment buildings, some are in like 7 Elevens. So. so a keycap. Can you describe that for people that, that don't know? Yeah. So David talks a lot about lock boxes, right? So putting a lock box on the house or putting it wherever. Keycaps are like giant lock boxes for multiple keys. So they you pay a subscription service and it allows you to integrate it with Airbnb. And then people can, uh, when they rent your unit, Keycap will send them the code automatically. So when they get there, they can get the key. They can go to the other building they need to go to with the instructions. And then they have the key until they leave and they drop it off. That's so smart. Yeah. So it's it's all over the world. Um, so you're basically going to get access to it. A lot in the U.S. right now, they're starting to expand it in other countries. So I have this love and hate relationship with Airbnb. Yeah. So first, I think the reason why so the reason why I don't like it is because it really is overpriced. Like when you're staying there, maybe not compared to a hotel, because that's why people still do it. Yeah. Especially if you need the space or you need uh, a living room or kitchen, or whatever. But it is vastly overpriced compared to what the local rent should be, especially if you're staying a month longer. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's <laughs> arguments, and I think I actually think it's true, that it really is driving at the price of rent. Of rent. Oh, for sure. 100%. Because you have all these apartments going to Airbnbs that are driving up the cost, less units on the market, you know, more visitors, hotel occupancy is going down. So that's why you see all these fights against Airbnb. Same thing with Uber. Um, I think for the most part, the good thing about Airbnb, especially when it comes to families, right? If you have a family and you're booking a hotel, you have two beds in that room, usually a desk, a little bit of a dresser and a kind of a bathroom. So you're always squeezed together in that living situation. When you're at like David's Airbnb, like you said, two master bedrooms, a living room, a big kitchen, you can spread out as if you're at, at your house. So that's why people are willing to spend a little bit more for that convenience and that comfort i think so you don't think hotels would be able to just have more like apartment suites is it's not cost effective for them it's always been their upsell right so they've always had okay book our our cheapest deluxe room they call it deluxe even though it's basic and then they at the hotel you can ask for upgrades will cost you x amount of dollars a month so it's always been styled that way it's interesting in asia and in japan and hong kong you will see a lot of mini suites popping up and suite style hotels that they're only suites, right? So I think there's going to be a movement towards that over time to compete. Um, but the deluxe upsell has always been in place for hundreds of years. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a hard thing to get over as a hotel executive, I think. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that, that upsell is purely just like a profit move for them or if it's really because it takes us so much more space and maybe doesn't get rented as often in the past because people didn't really, you know, care for it. Yeah. That. It just wasn't cost effective. Yeah. And I'm wondering now with Airbnb and people kind of getting used to that model, if if it's going to be, you know, as you said, kind of more of a, a standard. Yeah. I mean, if you, I, I agree with you. If you look like you're going to Barcelona tomorrow yeah. and I, I stayed at the Hilton in Barcelona many times and at that Hilton when I was staying, I'd always get, I used to be, because I worked in corporate, we talked about this, a diamond member at Hilton. So I always got free upgrades, which is another reason why I have suites to treat their members at return. And 
when I would get upgraded, I would go from a deluxe to either an executive um, one bedroom or a mini suite style, which was pretty nice. But the people that booked the suites got a chance to get upgraded to their penthouse on the top floor, which was $4,000 a night, wow. you know, and extremely expensive, you know. So they're making a ton of profit off yeah. that room, no matter how much space it takes up. Um, so I, I'm thinking that you'll see an adaption towards the type of hotels that are more suite focused. And you can see that in a lot of the new Hilton brands that are coming out or Virgin Hotels or any of those. You can start seeing that trend. But um, it'll be quite interesting to see what happens over the next few years. You know, what's funny is I don't I, – I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that feels this way. But I actually like the normal hotel rooms and I actually don't like being upgraded to suites. <laughs> Why? You've got too much room, Johnny. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to do with myself. No, seriously. It's like, okay, so hear me, hear me out, guys. Because I, I think people are thinking like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. All right. It's so unlike getting like upgraded to like business class or something, you know, mm-hmm. on a plane, which I would love to, to do, uh, you know, a, at a hotel, you're, let's say I have a queen size bed, right? Yeah. I'm still going to have a queen size bed in a, in a suite. Yeah. So when I'm sleeping, the comfort is exactly the same. Yes. It's really just like during the day when you're, you know, so you have a kitchen, you have a living room, you have all this other stuff, right? But when I'm at a hotel, especially before when I used to have an apartment or like I used to have a nice condo, when I would go somewhere and get checked into a suite, I felt like I was just in someone else's nice condo. Yeah, yeah. I I was like, I don't want to look at a kitchen. I don't want to fucking even be tempted to cook. Yeah. I don't want to sit on a couch. I want to lay in this bed. You know, turn on the TV, have everything just right there, yeah, and just like and feel like I'm in a hotel room. Do you know it's interesting because I agree with you for the most part. So I was in the Philippines um, working with my VAs uh, two weeks ago, and I booked what they call uh, the hotel, what they call Red Planet, which is literally a queen size bed in a very squished room. Because every morning I'd wake up, go to the gym, eat, work for twelve or fourteen hours with my team, like go back to the hotel and pass out. I didn't need anything else. The part where I disagree with you is if I'm taking a week off and I'm relaxing and I'm most likely going to read books or just chill, go to the pool, go sleep, go like read a book in my room. I like the bigger space because it feels like I'm not condensed during my vacation. In a red planet, I would literally have a bed to sit on and nothing else. In a sweet hotel in Hilton, you have that entire luxury feel. Everything's a little more relaxed. And I'll tell you a story. Once when I was back in the corporate world, because I had that diamond card, I would make it a a thing when I went to Hilton's to try to get upgraded, right? So I would talk to them and I would try to convince them that I needed a suite. And because I was a diamond member, most of the time they would oblige. But there's this time I I went to Miami with my dad. I was looking to buy a condo in Miami, um, which I wish I did now because the value has gone up 50% and I could have Airbnb it, but I never did. And there was a Hilton right on the beach. And I wanted to treat my dad because my dad's done everything. First night, they put us in this regular room with two beds on like the 30th floor out of 34. And they said the next day they're going to upgrade us to a suite. Well, we were on the balcony that night. It was a beautiful view of the water. The next day we show up to go to our new room. It's on the second floor. You can hear the street noise. There's no view of the beach. So we kind of threw away the beautiful view that we had for the room, you know, the space, which was totally not worth it. So it's really, for me now, I would never really care where I am in in the hotel world, like if it's a suite or deluxe. But before I was a little uh, naive. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what, what other kind of tips do you have to try to get score that free upgrade? Well, there's <laughs> there's a ton of different ways. Um, uh, I do a lot of travel hacking, which is uh, basically getting different credit cards to give you points. We talked about this. I get the priority pass so I can stay in lounges. 
my friend Derek, he has a, a program called DerekMethod.com, kind of like Antoine's method. And uh, he talks about um, basically how you can use credit cards to get uh, gold status at Hilton, at big uh, hotels around the world, and your priority pass for when you're flying. So you can take off, stay in the lounge for a few hours, have a nice dinner or breakfast. When you land and you get to your hotel, you use your points that you got from the card to book the hotel. And then since your gold status, you're on, you're most likely automatically going to get upgraded. And you can do this all with credit cards, right? So for the most part, for free, um, which is extremely powerful. So that's what I do now. So I, ha- I still have gold status at Hilton. I have different statuses at different hotels and my priority pass. So I still have a little bit. I fly economy. I fly economy. But um, for the most part, I have some kind of luxury in the area that I, I landed. So for me, hotels, I'm like, I can stay in like pretty basic places. I don't really give a crap. Yeah. But when I'm on the flight, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want, like luxury. That's what I want to fly business class. Yeah. So I'm the exact opposite. Because like, I figure like even like the, I don't want to say the jankiest room. I don't, I don't want to stay in like the cheapest piece of crap anymore. Like now, yeah. nowadays, I just, I just refuse to stay at Motel 6s. Yeah. But I'll stay at like, you know, whatever the next step up is, right? Yeah. Because... I get the same size bed. I'm still comfortable. I just lay down. As long as it's clean, it's quiet, and it's, you know, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. But on planes, that's when I want that upgrade. And that's when it really costs you, Johnny. <laughs> like, the upgrade from a deluxe to a suite at the hotel might cost you $50, $75 a night. Your upgrade to business class, depending on where you're flying, is going to cost you a grand each way, uh, which is just... Easily. Easily. Like, it's usually four times the cost of economy. Yeah, it's and and that's kind of why I threw it out the window for me. Every once in a while when I have a point count that's super high and a business class seat that's not that bad, I'll buy the business class seat with my points. It doesn't cost anything. And like David, who runs his eBay store, gets probably hundreds of thousands of points that he can put towards business class seats. So like if you have that stuff, it's it's great, but 3 $4,000 for a flight and business class. It's ah. crazy, right? Yeah. So the the thing I miss most about running my dropshipping stores is the $20,000 credit card bills I would get every month. Yeah. <laughs> and all the points that came with it. Yeah. Because that's the way I've been able to fly business class these last, you know, two years. And it sucks, but I'm here to announce that tonight I'm going to Spain. I'm actually flying out in a few hours. Yeah. And I'm flying economy for the first time in two years. Oh, man. Good luck. As, as my elite corporate friends used to call it, cattle class. Because everyone's squished in the back oh like cattle. God. So uh, good luck, my friend. <laughs> it's a big adjustment if you haven't been used to it for a while. It's going to be crazy. I, and I was tempted to spend money on and just say, ah, oh, let me just pay for the upgrade. Yep. But then I was like, you know what? I'm not like, I'm, you know, I need to watch my money now that I'm not working. I'm just chilling. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to retire and really not work again, I have to be able to just get used to a normal life. Yeah. You know, and I think some people are listening, you know, thinking, and, and I used to think the exact same way. I was like, if you can send me to Spain for the summer or Europe and travel and go to all these cool places, go to Bali, I'll fly in cargo class if needed. I'll just yeah. put me on the plane anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the other reason why I'm doing it is to kind of reset my expectations a bit. Which is amazing. It's, it's yeah. the perfect thing to do. You wrote a blog post, like, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think, about how you've retired, right? And you've have saved up enough money so your investments like you talk about on invest like a boss can actually make enough income to support your lifestyle, right? And if you take um your standards to a level where you basically can utilize economy, you can utilize Airbnbs, staying in Thailand and Bali, 
you can retire off that money without working another day. And a lot of people don't understand that, that if they get to a certain level of savings, just their investment income alone will allow them to live a great lifestyle. But you don't get business class on that. But it's still like if, if you put yourself in a minimalistic lifestyle that can get on the economy, that can book Airbnbs or local apartments, you're going to be able to live a really good life very quickly without working too hard if you don't want to or working on what you care about yep. um, for the rest of your life. That definitely makes sense. And I think that's uh, what I'm going to be experimenting with at least for the next uh, 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, speaking of which, um, so I didn't realize how expensive Barcelona was. Yeah. Because this was a, like a last minute trip. I think we just booked a flight maybe five days ago or something. And then we started looking at hotels pretty much two days ago. Yeah. Everything is booked. Uh, we wanted to get a one month rental in Barcelona, which turns out besides Airbnb, it's it's pretty much impossible. And that's why I'm happy Airbnb is there because it shows how big of a lack of, um, you know, there's a huge like like gap in the market for monthly rentals rentals that are furnished. Yeah. And I wish, and I think this would be better for everyone and the economy and keep everyone sane and would keep red prices stable is if Airbnb was only allowed to do monthly rentals. <laughs> well, that would kill a lot of their business, man. But if there was a service that was big enough to support monthly rentals that was like Airbnb, I think that would be extremely beneficial. Because I run into the same problem too. Like we wanted to get a longer term, like two week place when we were in Rio during our trip at the beginning of the uh, week and the beginning of the year. Um, and the only options we had were Airbnb two weeks. There was no apartments that we could get uh, off off Airbnb market. The hotels, because it was carnival down there, were through the roof. There was nothing that we could do from that. And um, it just became a problem over a problem over a problem. And if you don't come to Asia, like Bali or Chiang Mai, where are set up for that kind of lifestyle where you can get smaller leases, you're going to have problems not only in Barcelona, but in London and every European country you go to, a lot of countries in the United States, you won't be able to get the same flexibility that you get out here. It's crazy that like places like in Asia allow or set up for monthly rentals. I wonder how that became. Like, it, yeah. was it just you know people were asking for it, or they were smart enough to to have that be an option? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that can come to, comes to mind for me is a lot of these economies started as tourism economies, right? So they became, they started with tourism as one of their main income sources for the country, Bali especially. Um, and different areas of Thailand. And then they started finding all these people that wanted to stay for longer periods than a couple hotel nights. So then the market catered to that specifically. And it just kept evolving around the needs of the individuals that discovered the flexibility and their passion for those areas. Right. So I think it started from a tourist perspective um, and kind of blew up. But you don't see a lot of Europeans or Asians going to the United States and saying, oh man, I want to live here in this one spot for a month. They're going to go bounce around from place to place, try to see 10 states in like two weeks and do that kind of stuff and then go back home there. And if they do come and live because of their visa restrictions, they get married or whatever, then they get long-term leases. But out here, people come out for a couple weeks and like, oh, maybe I want to stay here for a month, you know, in one spot and relax and do yoga and go do CrossFit. And yeah, that work. definitely makes sense. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that especially with the kind of the rise of remote workers and digital nomads and also just long-term travel as a whole. Yeah. Th this is a hole in the market that needs to be filled throughout the world in yeah. the U S in Spain. Yeah. I mean, I really think this is the future. 
I agree. Like another big hub that is probably the best example that I can think of right off the top of my head is Medellin. So Medellin is actually one of the destinations in South America for digital nomads. And it's still very difficult to get a month to month. Uh, well, the language barrier is one thing, but also on top, they just aren't set up for month to month. And the ones that you do find that are like executive suites that have all the stuff set up for you, they're three times the cost of the apartment market average, right? So you're looking, instead of $700, it's $2,100 for those executive apartments. Maybe our business should be setting up executive suites. <laughs> they're actually apartments that are arbitraged. Yeah. Because it's like, like seriously, like I'm looking on Airbnb now and there is nothing available for the next month. Yeah. And it's because there's tons of places available, but people have like two days booked randomly, you know, yep. next weekend and then one day booked, you know, three weekends from now. Yep. And it just screws up the whole, the whole monthly rental. The thing that is starting to pop up, and I think that's a good business and people are tapping into it. If you look up or go to found, founder.house, it's these communities that they're building in New York, in Denver and Boston that are houses aimed towards entrepreneurs, developers, um, graphic designers that live together, either in a, a room, you get like your own room and then the common space is the same, or you get like a bunk bed style, like a hostel. So they're going that way. And then there's We Live, which is the We Work um, Living uh, business, which is starting to grow where you can do month to month. So there's a little bit, but it's not anywhere near where it needs to be in order to support the lifestyle that you and I live, which is really disappointing for me because it limits... That's why I'm doing the Airbnb business, honestly. Like, if I have a place in Miami, I can go there for a month and just take my Airbnb off of um, Airbnb for a month and stay there and then put it back on, you know? So that's that's kind of my mentality around it for the U.S. And then even here in Bali, we could rent this villa and put up an Airbnb and you could, while you we're could gone. probably make double, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like, if yeah. you rented this place for a year and then have it... You, should probably, you know what you should do? You should rent this place for a year yeah. and then Airbnb it out when you're gone and then let me stay in it next time. <laughs> for sure, man. Anytime. <laughs> That's cool. I like you know what? Like I think one of the reasons why I like hanging out and talking to you is you just are always kind of thinking of the next the next business the, the next kind of thing. Man, I there's so much opportunity. What I love about hanging out with you and our community and Chris and everybody is we just get to bounce ideas off of each other all the time, you know? So at you sold your um your businesses, you have mental space in the upcoming months to start something anew, you know? And all that idea exchange that we have that can turn in, in within a week into a business that we're starting and blowing up. Right. So it's just, that's why this community matters to me so much. And I try to explain it to my friends. Like if you want to be in a mindset of creation, if you want to be in a mindset of generation and wealth, um, you need to be around other people with that same mindset and who really care about building something. Like I'm only, I could retire now too. my corporate money. If I stay out in Asia, I could retire now too with my investments. Your, I love your podcast, Johnny, because a lot of those principles my dad taught me when I was younger. And then you just expand on it with different founders, different technologies that come into it. So the things I'm not researching can come into my life. But that gives me the freedom to chase after the opportunity. And that's why I'm constantly thinking. That's cool. I'm glad you like the, the other podcast. Actually, what's funny is I didn't – when Sam asked uh, me to start Invest Like a Boss with him, I didn't think there was going to be that much overlap between the nomad scene and the investment scene. I thought investors would be – people with corporate jobs or people that are a little bit older mm -hmm. but it turns out like there's a lot of people like you, you and me that got into the nomad scene you know started making money and yeah. was like all right well what should i do with this money now because my expenses are low so i have extra income yeah. how should i invest it what, like what should i do with it exactly and if you it's funny and this is just an average that um is taking over many years of looking at the market 
But depending on where you invest, on average, for every dollar you put in 10 years later, it doubles, right? And that's without, if you use any of the automated service you talked about, that's on average. So let's say you put 10K in, 10 years, it's 20K, 10 years after that, it's 40K, and 10 years after that, it's 80K. So in 30 years, your 10K became 80K. Like just those little concepts, you don't even have to know anything else about investing. Just knowing putting money towards the market is going to, over time, grow your wealth. Will hopefully get people to start because I have to say that probably like 75% of my wealth has been generated from investments That's cool. over the past like 10, 15 years. And you're lucky that your dad taught you these things when you were young. Yeah. And it kind of instilled in your mind. Yeah. Because there's so many people out there that they're in their 30s and they, they like don't even know the basics. They even even thought about it. Yeah. And then when they think about it, it's either too late or they end up getting ripped off by some mutual fund manager that takes a 3% fee and yeah. puts him in a bunch of BS. Exactly. That he takes a 3% fee and those mutual funds pay him out as well. So he's getting a big profit while you're hardly getting any return. Uh, I think when I was, it was 15 or 16, my dad gave me this little book. It was like 50, 50 words, uh, 50 pages. 50 word book. A, a 50 like word book. <laughs> Invest money. <laughs> no. Uh, and I, w- I struggled reading when I was a kid. So it took me a while to read that. And um, how old are you? I'm 27. No, no. When, well, how old was yeah. I? I was 15. I, I had a wow. reading and writing uh, like learning curve uh-huh. that took a lot of time for me to overcome. I was a visual learner, yeah. audio learner, and my reading and writing skills were lower. That, that, that's cool to hear that, like, that you can go through that and still be successful today. Yeah. I mean, I try reading a book a week now and it still takes me a while. I try to speed read or get better at it so you're, you're not in the, the book of day no i was ty lopez <laughs> no man i had no thing mentor box no, this is not a paid advertisement um no it, no i'm not in the book of day but i like i i like trying to educate myself with a course a week and a book a week that's uh, actually a lot though yeah a lot of udemy courses i mean if you if you in, take in a lot of information while you're working it's going to give you new ideas it's going to level you up over time and it's just going to be so much more beneficial i feel like a lot of people who hated college or whatever, just stopped deciding to read or learn because they're like, oh, I already did that. Now I'm just going to execute. But do you feel like by consuming that much information that you don't have time to actually take action with what you learn from it? For the most part, the courses I take directly relate to the business I'm working in. So let's say I'm working on a blog, affiliate blog, and I'm trying to automate the email sequence to get better upsells and cross-sells and so on. I'm taking courses about that specifically. So as I'm working on it, I have new ideas coming in from those courses. I try to avoid, unless it's, I try to avoid courses that I'm not immediately involved with. And I think Pat Flynn talks about the style of um, learning at the point of the need. So waiting to learn something until you need it and then executing against that. I like that. That's almost like Walmart's just-in-time delivery program with their inventory. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you get everything when you need it, and then you ex- you're executing against it. So as you execute against it, you're learning, and then all of that information that you're obtaining is going to be reusable later on during um, later on during a new project. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You know what's crazy is I think there's like a big trend with or correlation, I guess, that pretty much every single successful person I know takes courses, yeah, and reads books. And you know, I, I mean, well, book books are a whole thing. I think, I think everyone should be books, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, takes courses yeah. versus the kind of the whole. There's a huge argument online where people are like, "No, fuck courses. The, all courses are ripoffs. Everyone's yeah. just trying to scam you out of money. All these you know course creators. Anyone who doesn't know how to do anything, they they teach instead. 
Yeah. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of courses that you get um, that can be ripoffs. I never have bought like a three or five thousand dollar course, right? Um, anything under nine ninety nine, there's is good enough for me. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, like that's the highest I'll go. Like Neil Patel's course, for example, is like nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and it's a really. Oh, good when he said nine ninety nine, I thought you meant like nine dollars. No, 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 like nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Okay, um, and. Those are the beefy courses that give you a lot of information, weeks and weeks worth of information. It's basically distilling someone that's built multiple businesses into a course that you can refer back to over and over again. Plus with Udemy, for example, you can get courses from 10 to $50 on average that are really powerful. And what's great about them is you get like a three to six hour course. You put it on 2x the speed. You get it done in one to three hours mm-hmm. and you retain that information if you like. Oh, what was that he said about X, Y, and Z? You go back into it really quick and you rewatch that one lesson and it's really good information. So there are courses that I've taken that did nothing for me. Don't get me wrong. But the majority of them, especially if you do your research ahead of time, you look at reviews, you look at your blog, for example, or on Udemy, like the bestsellers are usually really strong um, courses that are going to give you information that will help you grow. That definitely makes sense. Well, I mean, the, the, the way I always thought about courses is I think every single course out there has a 30-day Money back guarantee. Yep. So I always think like, you know what, like if it sounds like something that you can get benefit from and, and someone said it's you know, someone recommended it, just take it. And if it sucks, don't be afraid to ask for the for the for the refund. Yeah, and, and what's a lot of people some people are afraid of those guarantees as if they won't aren't actual guarantees. But there's two things that go um in your favor. One, if you buy from Unimi, they're trying to keep their uh they're trying to make sure that you're happy. So they're definitely going to take care of you. They're a big company. And then most of these courses accept Stripe, for example. Like they use Stripe as a backend, as a payment processor or PayPal. And in the terms and conditions of a merchant on PayPal or Stripe, they are required to oblige what they write is a refund policy. And in most cases require some sort of refund policy. So if the course owner will not refund you and you're unhappy, you can go to Stripe or PayPal and say, these guys... Do not refund me. Here's the evidence that I bought it this day. I emailed them this day and they said no. And then the company will mark, not only help you get a refund like PayPal or Stripe, but they'll also mark against the owner of the course. So the course owner does not want that negative strike, which could shut down their payment processor. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because like Ernest Affilia is on Sam Card that's attached to Stripe. And then if somebody wants a refund, they don't even have to ask for it. I think just in the welcome email, there's going to be a link saying, you know, request refund. Yeah. And it's all automated, you know? So when people ask for a refund, I want to know, like, you know, why, right? Like, yeah. you know, is this something we can do better with the course? Um, but then I just tell them, like, oh, yeah, just find your welcome email and click the, the link there. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, there's not, you know, I don't get that many refunds for Ernest Affiliate. But yeah. it's like, to me, I'm like, I'm... If I bought a course and I really didn't learn anything from it, I would have no hesitation to, to get a refund. The only things I'm all scared of are the auto rebills. Oh, yeah. Because some of those are hard to cancel. Yeah. Um, and there in the U.S., there's a couple services that can help you with that. There's a service called Truebill.com, I believe. And they will – they it's a free service and they will have their team go after the people that are billing you wow. until it's canceled. And that's completely free. It's an app on your phone. I have it. It tracks all my subscriptions so I can shut them off very quickly. That's cool. And you, it reminds me, oh man, I've subscribed to like 12 things that I'm not using. So like I use Truebill to make sure if any of that ever happens that they go after on my behalf and I don't even have to think about it. Is it T-R-U or T-R-U-E? Uh, T-R-U-E, I believe. Um, I can pull it up on my phone right now. Okay. Well, so the only thing I don't like about the way that uh, Ty Lopez does things. Oh yeah, it is. It's T-R-U-E-B-I-L.com. 
Yeah. Uh, I haven't used it, but uh, I'm, I'm going to check it out because that sounds cool. Yeah. So the, the only thing I don't like about Ty Lopez and his style is he does the automatic rebuild. Of his first, his kind of initial product is sixty seven dollars, and it's that sixty seven steps program yeah. or or PDF, right? And you know, before I talk to trash about him, I I, I was want to do my research. I'm like, you know, I don't care if somebody's marketing is super cheesy or not. You know, yeah. that's a personality thing. That's you know, I personally don't dislike you know his personality. I dislike his marketing. Yeah. But if what he teaches is great, then you know, who am I to judge, right? Yeah. So I did some research and I found out his actual pdf it's not bad it has some like you know pretty generic information but it's good you know overall good information it's probably worth 67 dollars. however what to me feels not authentic or a little bit a little bit scammy is to get that 67 dollar pdf you have to enroll it's a forced rebuild of 67 dollars a month a month and <laughs> most people that sign up for that either don't know how to cancel can cancel or just don't even realize that that's happening yeah, and I doubt that the information that you're getting every month is worth six, seven dollars a month in perpetuities. No, forever. no way, no way. That and that and that kind of stuff to me is a course funnel that is completely broken. I understand the course funnels that charge you sixty seven dollars for your PDF front, and then as soon as you buy it, like oh, for two forty nine, you can also get this, and this is the information that you get, and then they'll try to cross sell you something associated with that, and you end up walking away with spending five, six hundred dollars, but you've seen exactly what you're buying. Even though you were originally thinking about buying the sixty-seven, in a situation where you're just getting rebuilt, man, come on! I, yeah. I, I, and I think sucks. that's fine. Like if somebody walked into a grocery store saying, "I just need milk," yeah, and then next to it there's eggs, and then they walk down, they're like, "Oh shit, maybe maybe I get some bread too." Then maybe they give me out samples of some pastrami. You buy some pastrami, <laughs> and then at the counter they're like, "You know, you want to you know, do you want to buy this candy bar?" And your bill ends up being three hundred bucks. Yeah, and Whole Foods. Yeah, you know what? that's fine because you're getting you're getting value in the product. You know, yeah. or if you go into a clothing store, same thing. You, you go in just for a shirt, and you end up with pants, a belt, you know, some socks, and something else, and your bill is a thousand dollars. You know what? That's fine because you're you're getting that amount of product. But what those auto rebuilds feel like is you go and buy a shirt, and without them even telling you, <laughs> they're charging you that same cost of the shirt every month, and just sending you another shirt, and you're like, I didn't, I didn't order this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even need another shirt. The only way. A recurring bill that you know is happening, like a Dollar Shave Club, for example, perfectly fine. If you're just getting random content you never cared about, not not my style. And just going off of what you said about Tylo Lopez's marketing, people, a lot of people don't like him, especially um, in our community. But the thing is, there's millions of people that do, and he's an amazing marketer. I want to just throw that out there. Like he is well known because of his marketing skills. Whether he Book, booking.com his mansion and records in it once a week and um, puts his courses out in a, a schemey way. He's a really good marketer and people follow him because of that talent and the people behind him that helps him market. Oh, so do, do you think that he books it just for a day to record or do you think he does it like the whole month? I think he, I I don't know. I, I have no information and or facts about this. But I would not be surprised if he books it for X amount of time while he's recording his videos and goes in there, takes care of all of his content, schedules all his meetings for those oh, days, smart. and then like leaves. You know, like I think that's probably what he does. I could see myself eventually if I if I wanted to become a Tyler Lopez of Bali. I mean, we could just rent this villa out and completely record everything in here and just get a really nice decked out like Ducati in the front or something yeah. and instead of our mopeds. So he's a good marketer. I just don't like his stuff. You know, it'd be freaking hilarious just to troll. I'm, I should rent that exact mansion. And then record a bunch of videos saying, 
hey guys, I'm so rich, I bought Tyler Opus's magic. <laughs> I'm here, check it out. I'm here in my villa, reading yeah. my books. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to piss on all his books and on his bed. <laughs> oh my god, John. Just have that whole video of me just trolling him. <laughs> I remember when you put out a YouTube video about your Lamborghini your, yeah. your, that you rented. Uh, it would just be the next level of that. I know. <laughs> yeah, my whole life would just be trolling Ty. <laughs> now, now that I got this free time, now that I'm retired. Talk about... Um, scam alerts i heard that you found something this week that was quite crazy yeah so uh i got served a facebook ad um would, facebook ad popped up my news feed called americans serving americans and i, I couldn't tell like i was I, I really genuinely could not tell if it was if it was kind of like this you know, like spammy mom type thing or if it was some kind of like legit charity mm-hmm. and it kept showing up so after like the fifth time i saw it I was like, oh, I'm just gonna click on it, and I watched the video, and it was really well produced. It was this, um, it, it was this kind of half screen with Martin Luther King Jr. giving a speech about poverty and how it's holding back America, yeah. and then uh, this other guy, this this black guy named uh, Dave Ass, not Dave Aspay or something. I don't know. Not not Dave. Not, not the bulletproof executive guy, but Dave Ass. Yeah, something. Ask something. Uh, asshole. <laughs> and it's him basically kind of, you know, tailing off of, um, off of, uh, Dave Aspey. That's his name. Um, kind of tailing off of Martin Luther King. And then he kind of like tails off of Shark Tank and all these other kind of very legitimate things. And I was like, and he's not, you know, they're not selling anything. They're just having you join this movement, which is why Facebook is allowing the ads because they're not actually selling anything yet. Yeah. But I watch, all four videos and they get cheesier and cheesier and, and and the thing is it's taking me a while to even figure out if they are real or if they're staged because they have things like he's giving a talk about a bunch of people or he's like on a bus um you know with a bunch of people wearing the the asa movement t-shirts and it's a bunch of like old retirees and stuff and i was mm-hmm. like i cannot like i can't tell if this is real or fake you know or what, what the intention is but i had this like, kind of bad feeling about it so I, I wasted like three hours going through his their whole funnel. And finally, after watching all the videos, I had to take these quizzes. I had to join this thing. And then it was like, you know, if you're ready to get started and you're all pumped up, you're all hyped up, they're like, you know, uh, you know uh, buy our welcome uh, starter kit. You know, we will send you the, the ASA hat and the, and the T-shirt, you know, $299. Okay. And I was like, okay. That's flag number one. Like, you know, why am I paying $299 for this welcome kit? And then what really got me, and I was like, this is definitely now MLM, is they started talking about how, you know, this $299 is an investment because you can make up to $20,000 a year promoting his stuff. Interesting. All I'm going to have to read yeah. your whole blog post. I know you mentioned it uh, during lunch, but it seems, I mean, I'm going to look into it myself, but it's interesting. And, you know, I, I just realized... I think so. I had embedded all his videos on my blog post, and it looks like he had either blocked my domain from displaying it, or he's taking down the videos or something because they're, they're not loading anymore. Interesting, which is crazy. So, um, if you guys wa- if you guys want to read that blog post, I'll have Anthony put it in the show notes. But you can just search for "American Serving Americans Scam" or something, or just <laughs> look on Johnny FD. I actually, so it was. I actually changed the date on the blog post so it won't be the very first blog post okay. on Johnny FDE just because I was like you know what I don't really want my readers like wasting time with this yeah yeah so it's more I pushed it I pushed it back a few months so it's kind of just down on the page um, so now it looks like it's published February 17th okay and that way someone searches for it they'll find it but 
You know? Got it. Got it. Interesting. It's um, it's interesting to break down funnels like that. Yeah. Uh, pretty advanced, it sounds like. But this was really smart. This was the most like complicated, kind of in-depth sales funnel for uh, MOM type business I've ever seen in my life. That's yeah. I mean, the only other things I've seen, like actually, I haven't seen many on Facebook. Obviously, it's just very rare for them to approve anything like that. So, um, I'm gonna read your blog post and uh, look into it. But what's crazy is he actually replied to me, wrote me this long, angry message on my Facebook wall mm-hmm. saying that he's, you know, like that's, you know, he's offended. This isn't an MOM and this is a way for Americans to make money, you know, uh, from each other. And I'd be all, like, I was almost like, a, like a small part of me was almost like, you know, thinking like, oh man, you know, maybe I should like give him the benefit of the doubt. But then I did some more research and then he was super famous for these other two MOMs. Uh, in the past, there were definitely MLMs. It was like some penny, you know, penny quiz thing or oh, okay. some other BS. So now, after that, I was like, okay, like my my, my assumptions were were correct. Okay. Um, so Barcelona, man, what's uh what's the big plan? How long are you out there for? I'm gonna be there for one month, and honestly, the only reason why I'm flying to Barcelona is because my visa is up. And originally, I was going to fly and just basically do a visa run. Go to Singapore for a day, come back to and stay, spend another month in Bali. The reason why I decided not to do that is first, Indonesia is I don't know. I think like here's here's the thing about Bali or Indonesia, and a lot of people say this is it's a, it's a it's a whirlwind where if you're if everything's like going well, it'll spiral you up the whirlwind, and you'll be like, "Fuck, life is great! All these good things are going on," and you only see the good things. Yeah, but then if Things you know, you start seeing the bad things, you start the negatives, then it spirals down quickly, and you start seeing all the bad stuff. Yeah. And for me, while I'm here, the, the kind of that negative energy is getting to me, where I start seeing all the bad stuff. Yeah. And I recognize it. You know, like and, and here's an example: is I was on the beach, and I was I was looking, and I was like, man, like you know, the the sand here is so like ugly, like it's like you know, it's like brown sand. There's trash everywhere. There's plastic that kind of you know, comes up everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like a nice beach like that you imagine um, like a tropical paradise to be. Yeah. But then uh, I I like just so somebody had mentioned somewhere they're like um, that the the sand may be brown but there are these little specks that sparkle like diamonds in it. And I looked at the beach again and I was like, oh my god, I never even noticed that. It's beautiful. Yeah. But you blocked it because of the negative feelings that you have. Yeah. Well, at, you know, but at the same time, in reality who's right or wrong like the, the beach really does have a bunch of trash on it yeah you know but the beach also has all this beauty on it yeah so part of it is what we choose to see exactly you know and what we do see i just finished reading man's search for meaning which uh talks about logotherapy and it's a really famous book um by a gentleman who was in concentration camps for four different concentration camps during the war and was um one of the four percent that survived and then he was a famous doctor that built this um, this theory called logotherapy, which is helps guide someone through whether it be depression, anxiety, or so on and so forth. So it's like this very powerful thing for people that are looking for meaning in life. And one of the things that he says is um, people constantly ask, what is the meaning of life? You'll hear people ask that all the time. But what they should really ask, telling themselves, is life is ask them what is their meaning in life, right? So it kind of flips it on its head and it talks about the perception and your image and what you're trying to drive for and your meaning 
is really what's going to ultimately lead to your happiness and, and sadness. And then it talks about the importance on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of, I completely understand what you're saying because you, if you put yourself in Hawaii and it's the most beautiful place in the world that most people say, but you are in a negative mindset. As soon as you land, you didn't want to go. You're unhappy. There was something that happened. You could learn to hate that place for the rest of your life when 98% of the world loves it, right? Yeah. It's all about the mindset. But you know what? I, I do definitely agree with that. But also, I, I'm also kind of more of a, like a realist as well. Where So let's say a place, let's say not Hawaii, right? Actually, oh, you know what? Hawaii is a good example, okay? Most people really like Hawaii, mm-hmm. right? And if, if it's just mindset, we can just choose to look at the good things and we're like, this is paradise. Yeah. Uh, if you also look at the, if you choose to look at the negative things, you can be like, it's super overpriced, super touristy. Um, you know, the, you know, there's no Uber there. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of hard to get around. You know, the, the, whatever the neg- negatives are. Yeah. And you're right where if we just look at the negatives, we will have a negative mindset. We'll hate the place and we'll just ignore all the beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we can be, just be super positive and just look at the good stuff and love it. But, I think kind of there's there's always reality, which is weighing the, the pros and the cons. Are there more downsides than there are upsides? Yeah. And I feel like I'm more of a realist that tries to be optimistic and positive and tries to see the good stuff. Yeah. Where when I go to Hawaii, I, I'm like, yeah, I know it's expensive. I know there's some downsides to it, but I just try to look at the good stuff. And I know it the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff by a ton. Yeah. I think exactly. that places like Bali, the negatives – Especially if you're here more than a month, you know, for a month, you know, I think the upsides uh, outweigh the downsides. Yeah, you know? like there's little pain, you know, things are a little pain in the ass, but it's beautiful. You know, weather's good. It's a new experience. It's amazing. But when you're here for for more than a couple of months, and you start, I think the downsides start, the negatives start outweighing the upsides. And I think that's where I am. And I think the people that stay here like long term. I think most of them are just fucking delusional, <laughs> or they or they they really don't like where where they're they're from at home, and they haven't been to other places where like okay, we can find a place that has more upsides than downsides. Yeah, and at the same time, they might have built a really strong community that they are involved with, just like we have in Chiang Mai. You know, one of the reasons I love Chiang Mai so much is because of the community. You know, and once you have a solid community, that can really change a lot of the aspects. So if you if they are living here for three or four months. They could have one of the best communities that always do yoga events or meditations or working out on the regular basis, go out to eat, like constantly bring people in and out. That might be one reason as well. I personally still like Chiang Mai a lot more because of my community there. I like this. I've only been here for about a week now um, and I like Bali, but I don't see myself being here for more than six to eight weeks at a time. So uh, what's kind of a bit ironic is I regretted booking my flight to Spain. I actually wish I would have stayed another month because... People like you are, are have arrived. Uh, Chris is going to stay another month. Um, my buddy Max is here as well. Yeah. We have a great community here. Yeah. But then what I realized is all of us met in Chiang Mai. Yeah, we just Chiang happened, Mai community. Yeah, we just happened to come here for vacation or because the rest of us were here. Yeah, even the people in my villa all are from Chiang Mai. You know, yeah. so we kind of just migrated from Chiang Mai during burning season down here. <laughs> you know, so it's it's like the Chiang Mai community is moving around. Yeah. Um. And I, I'm excited to go. I know you're probably going to go back a little later this year, but I'm excited to go back to Chiang Mai in October for at least six months to grind it out and work. Um, Bali will be fun for a month. I'm going to Malaysia after this for a course, level up, always leveling up. Um, and then to London for work and then back to the U.S. for a little bit for another conference with Tony Robbins. Big Tony Robbins fan. What, uh, which conference are you going to? I'm doing Unleash the Power because it's yeah. in New York. 
Um, but the goal is to get and buy Date with Destiny as soon as uh, because they sell it at that conference for cheaper than they do online. Oh, do they? Yeah. So the the trick is for people that ever are who are Tony Robbins fans is don't buy any of their courses online other than Unleash the Power. And then when you're in Unleash the Power, they have all the special deals, all the promotions, all the upsells right on the right during the event. So because oh, you're already in the mindset, they know they're going to be yeah. able to sell you. They drop so a big so discount. So how much is uh, Unleash the Power? So we had I had a friend who has gone. So she called the um her I think they're called uh they're like it's a salesperson with a glorified name. Yeah. And we got the core the class is three and a half days. It's um thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh-huh. for six ninety five, and we got upgraded to like the executive area, which is on the ground floor. Okay. So nice. um if you wait like for next year around January, they come out with a deal of two for one, so it's like four hundred dollars, um for okay. which is really really good. So. I actually want to go to Destiny this year. It's gonna be fun to go together in uh, in Florida. In Florida, yeah, December. Yeah, that's that might be a high goal of mine. But I don't see how I can book tickets. They're not available yet. What? When are they gonna be available? After the Unleash the Power. When is that? Unleash the Power is July. So they do. They wait oh. until they sell it. Unleash the Power, right? Oh, that makes and sense. And then they open it up to the public. Okay. So can you buy? If I give you the money, can you buy me a ticket when you're at Unleash the Power? I can check. Yeah, I'll I'll text you, man. Like, okay. I'll let you know what's going down. They sell the Life Mastery one in Fiji as well as a bundle with Date, date with Destiny. So, I'm not going to Fiji. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. But I will, I'll send you the information, and uh, if I can, I'll book it for you. I like it. Yeah. That's that's crazy. It's, all right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a look at um, Unleashed Power, and the cheapest seats are seven ninety five online. Yeah, and that's the, the basic ones upstairs. Well, basically, what we got... Is and if you reach out to someone that's been, they can contact their person. They got us the six ninety five. They took a hundred dollars off and then upgraded from whatever the basic one is to the oh, next level. Okay, so you got the executive. Yeah. Yeah. So my friend Derek and I, you, I think you, you know Derek Pankow. Yeah. We're going together. Uh, he's in New York now. Lives at the Foundry House. I'm working in New York, so we're gonna go together in July. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And Derek has been on the podcast as well. Uh, let's see what episode that was. Yeah, he's at he's at Kind Bar right now, man. He uh, took a corporate job, uh-huh. and just for I don't for I don't know how long, um, but he's getting a ton of experience right there in New York, uh, working on his stuff and the, the corporate gig. I like it. So Derek's actually been on twice. On first on episode forty three, where he created a dropshipping store in three weeks, which he later sold. Or yeah. he actually, he, I, you know, he actually gave it away to me, and then I gave it to someone else, and that person sold it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then he was back on on episode 99 when he actually moved to Austin and he started and he was crushing on Teespring, making like 30 grand a month from it. Yeah, man. And now he's moving on again. Now he's in the startup world. So it's, it's kind of cool that. Yeah, he's in, he's, he's in the startup world because Kindbar is more of a startup. Uh-huh. He has Derek's method.com, which is his hacking, uh, travel hacking business, which is what taught me how to travel hack. Oh, and- I didn't realize Derek's method was. What was Derek Pankow's? Like, yeah, it's Derek's. Okay, yeah. Cool. Okay. He started he started that, which is a great course. It's saved me a ton of money on flights. And then um he he's doing Unleash the Power and then we're working on a couple of projects that we can't talk about yet, but maybe in the future. Okay. We, maybe we can do a dual podcast at some point. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to to do it. All right, so my my flight takes off in like 2 hours and we're going to get some dinner. Uh so Yeah, man. Uh if people want to get in touch with you or kind of you know, say what's up. How can I reach you? Uh, ericaflesh.com or just email me directly at Eric at Departure Labs or 
lafleshy at gmail.com. Any of those places, feel free to reach out. and um, Or fleshlight.com. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> the beginning of this episode, he was joking about that from the last time we talked. I, I'm still not – I actually stopped buffing, and I'm uh, now cutting, uh, and he had to bring up the fleshlight. Anyways, um, Dude, yeah, yeah, so feel free to reach out to me at any of those spots. And if you guys haven't heard the last episode – Definitely do it. It, it was so good. Uh, it was episode 135, and that's when Eric talked about quitting his corporate job and kind of getting started in the, in the nomad world. And now, like, like, can I ask, like, has your income been able to support your, your travels? Yeah, I, I haven't touched any of my bank money at all or my investments. Wow. Okay. And um, my, since our last episode, I think I've tripled my income. So that's cool. Awesome. In like six months and three of those months, I was in hostels and Airbnbs that's in crazy. South America. Okay. So I, I used a lot of VAs in the Philippines and team members to help me blow up. What were you making back in corporate job? Uh, I think we, I mentioned this on the last one. It was like 150 without bonus. Okay. And do you think you're going to be able to replace that or how close are you to replacing that? Getting there. I think, I think by the end of the year. That's crazy, right? Um, it will probably be in a really good spot. Uh, and plus I've been making a lot of investments in, uh, altcoin ethereum which has blown up so a lot of good stuff a lot of good stuff going on so i think i think we'll get there i'm not it's definitely a goal it's a goal for the end of the year it's marked down as a goal that was the original goal like after august 14th one year i wanted to be back to sustainable income that i was at when i was in the corporate job i like it best of luck with that and yeah look forward to hanging with you more yeah man all right see all of you guys next week thanks to everyone who's taking the time to leave all these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast if it if it wasn't for you guys like seriously i I don't know how we would continue this every single week so thanks for telling all of your friends uh and taking the time to leave these amazing reviews on the podcast this week i want to give a shout out to lcd in 12 2012 uh great energy and content five stars johnny does an awesome job of really covering how his guests make money while being location independent so thank you, LCD in 2012, and for everyone else who's left a review. And also, I want to give a big thank you to Trip Streak, the Smarter Travel Search, for sponsoring this week's podcast. Next time you guys need to book a flight, whether you guys want to go to Spain or here to Bali, and you want to be able to choose the type of um, options you want for your flight, whether it's lie flat seats for red eye flights, check out tripstreak.com/travel like the boss. See all of you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.